Thank you so much for joining me today on Just Praise Him Radio. I'm your host, Linda Lomax, and my job is to inspire you to a closer walk with Christ. Now here's the show. Hello, believers. Welcome to the Just Praise Him radio show. I'm your host, Glenda Lomax, and the title of my message today is, Are You Heading Into a Wilderness? I have with me on the show today my good friend, Ray Bergman, uh, and we're going to talk about all aspects of the wilderness experience. Welcome to the show, Ray. Thank you for making time uh, to share your knowledge with the listeners today. Hi, Glenda. Thank you for having me back. It's always great to be here. The reason that we are talking about wilderness seasons now is because many Christians are in or are going into these seasons right now to determine who will escape those things that are to come. So it is very important. And who will be left behind to suffer the harsh atmosphere of an earth under judgment. So when I went into my first wilderness in 1998, (laughs) I had no idea what was happening. I saw my life falling apart around me, and I had no idea why it was happening. It felt like the rug was being pulled out from under me. My comforts were all stripped away, and they were stripped away in ways that I could not retrieve them. What little money I had was gone, trying to keep everything paid, as the Lord sent me to Dallas by myself to start a new life I did not know I was starting. I thought I was stopping in Dallas on the way to see my dad on the way to my next oil and gas job because I had made contact with three companies, and all three of them said, we want you to come run this job as soon as we have approval to do the job. So to say I was terrified was a gross understatement. I was beyond terrified, y'all. When I found out I was staying there, I would just shake constantly because I was so scared because Dallas is not a place where you want to go live by yourself, especially if you're a woman. And I was afraid because I could barely keep my truck payment made then. I was making less than $10 an hour, which I had not made that level of wages in, gosh, I don't remember how many years, but a number of years. And I had to keep my truck payment paid, my insurance, and I had to pay for food and temporary shelter and gas to get to work and back. And to add to that, my father and my eldest sister had both just been diagnosed with terminal illnesses just before I went into that wilderness. So my comforts were all stripped away. My ability to pay my bills with ease was taken. I was grieving the soon coming death of my sister and my dad. I was trying to adjust to living in a big city for the first time ever alone, completely alone. And bill collectors were blowing up my phone every single day over the other payments I could not pay right then. What was it like for you, Ray, when your wilderness started? Much of the same. I mean, I believe mine uh, may have started in 2018, but I just didn't realize it. I, at the time, I wasn't sure, but then I had talked to you about it, and I remember you saying I, it, it probably started when you started the temp job because one of the telltale signs is to be put in a job you don't like. But um, that job, the yeah. temp job, ended at the end of April of 2019, which I initially believed was the start of it. But but no, I do believe it began in November of 2018, possibly even before then, unbeknownst to me. I was looking for work and had over a decade in the insurance industry and could not find work. And, you know, the debts, they piled up, as did the interest on those debts. You know, credit cards became maxed out, and I couldn't pay them, so they reached their limits, and they went into collections, as did a loan I had. And I had to rely on my immediate family for basic needs, 
and then that put stress on them. It all spiraled downward from there, and I didn't even know what a wilderness was until the end of 2019. So, as you can imagine, I had no idea what was going on and was bewildered, to say the least. It was uh, confusing, and I began to feel worthless in everything I did and to everyone around me. Yeah, and then everybody around you is under stress because they're picking up the slack. When one person can't pay everything they're supposed to pay, everybody else has to pick up the slack, and that increases the stress for the whole household. That happens in in married couples a lot, too. Let's talk about what it feels like when you enter a wilderness to help everyone determine if they could already be in a wilderness, because the Lord has showed me in my spirit that people are starting to go into the wilderness for the refining purpose. Entering the wilderness, I felt bewildered, first of all bewildered because I had been in charge of my own life for years, and it had never just started crumbling around me like it did then, and bewildered because all the things I normally did fix what was going wrong suddenly did not work at all. This is one sign you are in the wilderness, by the way, when you are trying to fix it, and it won't fix. So what happens as the wilderness season continues, for me, Pressure came at me from every side. It's like one thing goes wrong, and then another thing goes wrong. And then, and these are not small things, y'all. These are big, big things that are going wrong. And a wilderness is not just about financial lack. It is multiple things going wrong in your life at the same time. That is one of the signs of a wilderness, by the way. And there is no place to run to for relief or for comfort unless you turn to sin. And if you turn to sin, then things get even worse. The lack of comfort to me was the second hardest part of the wilderness. The first part was being in constant lack, because I hate that. We all hate that. I have always been a worker. I had my first full-time job when I was 15 years old. And as an adult, if funds got low, I just went out and got a second job or picked up a sideline. I've always been willing to work however hard I needed to work to pay the bills. Not being able to pay them fairly easily was really scary to me. Having to believe my guts out every month to get them paid at all terrified me. Why could I not just work like I always had? What was it like for you, Ray, as your wilderness journey progressed? What was the scariest part for you? Well, you were just mentioning lack, and I'd say that lack was indeed actually the scariest part. And the stress that came with it made it hard not to slip up or fly off the handle at times. You know, not knowing where provision would come from, how I would pay for food, how I could pay my phone bill, the guilt from not being able to pay my half of the mortgage, which then is putting stress on everyone else. And then the humbling that came with it, because I had to constantly ask those living with me to pay for those things on top of everything else that they were having to carry already. So then came the criticism, naturally, that I was just being lazy or too picky. But what they had no idea was that I grieved pretty much every day and night. You know, like you just said, you're seeking your purpose and at the same time trying to live for the Lord once you realize you're in the wilderness. And you feel like you're juggling a million different things at once, along with the pressure from family, and at the same time, you feel like nobody wants anything to do with you. So you're lonely on top of feeling like an invalid. And that's another thing. I feel like all my friends at the time, you know, essentially abandoned me. But what I didn't understand was that the Lord was showing me their true colors of who they really were and who was really for me. You know, it takes you down really low. And in my case for years, I felt rejected. 
And I had developed a drinking problem, which is one of the first things the Lord directed me to cut out. Because by doing that, it made all the other sins easier to put to death, to repent from. You know, when you drink, that's an open door. And it was far from easy given all the added pressures at the beginning. But the more I worked at it, the desire became less and less. You know, he helped me to put that down. You know, I handed that sin to him to put it to death. He revealed to me in the fall of 2020 that I would be doing a ministry and eventually a podcast. And he said I'd be leading people, but he didn't specify how. And then everything went quiet. And it was much the same for months. I was like, okay, you know, what are we doing? What's going on? And then things began to break. You know, it was bad enough I was already feeling lack in everything else, not able to help with Thanksgiving or exchange gifts with family. Well, they all did. And then my computer broke on Christmas Day of 2020. Just as I was going on the JPH, no less, to say Merry Christmas to everyone, and I couldn't. I went to go hit the power button, and it wouldn't turn on. I'm like, are you kidding me? You know, I'm like, now? Now out of all times? Uh, now? That would be awful, right on, right on, yeah. Yep. Right on Christmas? That's awful. And, you know, I, I made it through because I had to go, I went in the office and used somebody else's computer, but, you know, that's not the point. It was mine. And it got, it was one more thing that got taken away on top of everything else. And I couldn't buy a new one at the time. So, because at the time I remember saying, okay, Lord, I'm not going to get mad. I'm not going to get mad. I'm very tempted, but I'm not going to get mad. But it went on for like another two, three weeks and nothing was happening. And so at that, at that point, you know, I, I did, I just, I was like, I threw my hands up and I'm like, okay, you know, I've been going through this for over a year and a half. Nothing's going on. And I was at the end of my rope by then, or at least so I thought. Because just before, like I said, I just kept praying. I kept asking and nothing was happening. And part of it too, I believe, you know, at that point, because I had reached out to an old longtime friend that I had known since I was a teenager, just for someone to talk to. So I could reminisce on better times and... He dismissed me. And, um, you know, oh. brother, brother Tom remembers that well. You know, everybody who's heard Tom on, our, on, on the podcast before. I called him after staying up and drinking all night and crying, saying that I felt like the Lord forgot all about me. And, you know, Tom, he, you know, he was shocked because I had kept from him even how bad it was. I mean, he knew part of it, but he only really knew a quarter of what I was going through at the time. And, you know, I was trying so hard to hold it together so as to not burden anyone else, you know, more than I already had, especially, you know, new Christian friends, because when I was in my wilderness and I had lost everyone else, I had been asking the Lord to send new people that I could, you know, fellowship with and be friends with. So as you can imagine, you know, you don't want to be burdening, you know, people you just met with problems, you know? I don't think it's a burden to somebody who's really, truly your friend who cares about you, though. It shouldn't be anyway. Well, at that point, I had gotten to the point, honestly, where I, I didn't care if I was offensive or not. My comments were not nice either. I was literally crying out, cursing, and you name it. I mean, I reached the point with everything. I just didn't care anymore in that moment. But Brother Tom listened, and he handled it with grace. And that's a true friend right there. You know, most people... When yeah, you, Tom has a lot of mercy. He, he, he has like a mercy gift, don't you think? He is one of the most merciful people I know, and one of the most encouraging people I know. And that's a true friend right there. You know, most people, when you're in a mm -hmm. wilderness, they're dismissive. You know, they don't understand it until they actually go through it themselves, how mm -hmm. hard it really is. And this is one of the reasons why, Glenda, I hammer on being merciful and treating others well and treating people how you would want to be treated. Because Matthew 5, 
Verse 7 says, Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. And a lot of people, I'm sorry to say, but yes. in patterns I've noticed, even in a lot of Christian circles, people are downright just rude and dismissive and don't care. I hate to say that, but it's, that's how I feel. I have seen that also. And it's a shame. No, it's really true. Because that's one of, mercy is one of the top things Jesus taught us to be. And so, you know, that's how I saw it. That's what it was like for me. You know, anyone can criticize what I did and how I had that moment where, you know, but consider that I had been in that for a while and that's just the way it was, you know, and if it hadn't happened, actually, I wouldn't be able to use it as a testimony today. And I'm not ashamed to share it if it helps shine light on what it was like and how long I waited and what I went through. Because there were times I went through literal hell. I, I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. And anybody that judges that, God will give them an opportunity to, ex- to you know, experience that level of anguish and they can see what they feel like doing. Yeah. And, you know, not only was I financially ruined and under so much pressure, but I was literally broken emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. You know, t- almost two years, that's a long time, especially when everyone, and I mean everyone, including debt collectors, are hounding the living daylights out of you, and you're getting pressure put on you, and your friends are leaving you in droves. I mean, I feel like I was being forgotten left and right. And at that point, I felt like, you know, the Lord had almost forgotten yeah, that me. That would but- be a very... Yeah, and to go through something like that and not even have friends that you can call up that would, you know, sympathize with you and pray with you over the phone or anything, that would be really miserable. Yep. And, you know, but just after that, I got it together again. And, you know, I went humbly before the Lord and I repented for my little brief rebellion and pouting I did. You know, I had come so far at that point, so I wasn't going to just give up and throw in the towel. And to this day, I since then, I remain on the right track even when issues arise that are super difficult. You know, it all, I have to say, I'm glad it happened. I think the Lord had happened because it all made me stronger. And it showed me how to truly believe the Lord, that he will truly not leave us nor forsake us. People might take that word for granted, like, oh, whatever. You know, or they, they don't think on it, but no. It might seem like you are to your wit's end, but he will not leave you. And that's something that you need to know in the time coming, too. That's exactly what he's showing you. And so how did I get through it? Well, I leaned into decree and I leaned into prayer daily. And at first, I just started saying the word when I had started out, when I found out that I was in the wilderness, which, by the way, I didn't realize until after I had read your wilderness companion book. But once I realized, the more and more and more I read the word, and then he started speaking to me and giving me dreams and prophetic dreams, for that matter, I started believing his word because certain things I struggled with. He had me read healing verses, and he healed me from those those transgressions. So day after day, oh, wow. it was just prayer, prayer and word study, prayer and word study, repeat, day after day. And that went on until February of 2021. And then all of a sudden, the Lord poured out a blessing on me, and that's when Innocence Redeemed was born, and I started the ministry. Now, there might be different types of a wilderness experience. What is needed depends on the person, but they all share the same traits. You know, the experience may be more or less intense, but then because the Lord was calling me to minister, I believe that could be the reason why mine might have been more intense. You know, he was also showing me many of the sins that he did not approve of, and those had to be refined out of me before I could go into ministry work. It was also a strength. I agree. I had a similar experience. Yep. It was also a strengthening for this time, you know, like you were saying earlier, what we're going to need for this time. So it was a strengthening because of what we're about to see. 
And you know, on that, Glenda, I quote Psalm 92, verse 10. But you have made me as strong as a wild ox. You have anointed me with the finest oil. And so the point is, for some of you, you know, it might seem gloomy. But I tell you in all honesty, you know, don't give up. And I have already said this many, many times. And when I tell those who need to be told to submit to the Lord and not reject him, they better take those words seriously. Because if the wilderness is like that, when things were still halfway normal, the last thing I want to see, and I think it's the last thing you would want to see, is for anyone to go through that. When everything we have ever known is being removed, and there is nobody who can or will, in this coming time, be there to help you. Let me just tell you. Amen. You'll submit to God now, if you know what's good for you. And I do not say that lightly, after what I have been through. So if you hear the pleading in my messages, if you listen to my podcast, and if I seem strong in tone, now you know why. Because I'm speaking from experience after what I went through. And there isn't time to be playing footsies with evil and playing around with the Lord, especially if he's trying to get your attention, of which he's using his prophets daily to do so. Amen. That is such a powerful testimony. I had no idea you had gone through all of that. That is heartbreaking. You know, in, in the wilderness, you kind of sit there watching your carefully built life just unravel around you. And you watch the backs of the people you care about as they walk away from you. And, or you call up friends and suddenly they're busy. And, you know, you just kind of sit there in misery watching your life just go on. You know, watching life just go on for everyone else. It is a terrible feeling. Not that you don't want their lives to go on, just that you want yours to, too. You want normalcy and some happiness like you had previous to the wilderness detour. What is God's purpose in a wilderness season? And why would a loving father want to put us through all that? I believe with all my heart, one of the main things the Lord wanted to get me free from in that last terrifying wilderness of 2009-2010 was my self-sufficiency, my independence. He is the all-sufficient one, not me. And he was teaching me that. He wanted to teach me he is my provider, and that's what he taught me, that he is faithful, and he will take care of everything, that he is God over my life, so I don't have to be. But letting go of my independence and self-sufficiency and learning to depend only on him is one of the scariest things I ever did. It's also one of the best. You know, when Jesus was washing his disciples' feet, Linda, he was setting an example and the example he set there was to do as he has done for us and to humble ourselves. You know, we're not greater than the Lord. You know, somebody might, you know, pity, party, you know, we all do it. Why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to me? But Jesus said, and this is according, if you look at John chapter 13, verse 16, verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. And so to put that verse into hindsight, yep. What makes us think that we're greater than Jesus and that we don't have to suffer for doing right? The word expressly states, quoting 1 Peter 4, verse 19, Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. You know, sometimes we question why those who continue doing what they want don't seem to long suffer the same way some of us do. But we know as believers, we are promised the Lord's faithfulness for doing what's right. We can believe for his promises, and we need to remember that the Lord was long-suffering toward us. Second Peter 3.9 says, 
The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. And that's part of our refinement. We do what is pleasing to him, as that is his desire. You know, sometimes you might think it's unfair, but we endure and cling to the Lord's promises because we believe he will do what he says. Both good and bad. He, you know, he'll, he'll reward those who do good, who have good behavior. He's going to recompense those who have bad behavior. So you should have a fear of him. That's called a healthy fear of the Lord. That's what that means. But we also need to keep in mind Amen. the same. He is just and he will recompense. The refinement is simply a way he is giving us the choice to serve him or choose our own ways. And speaking of choosing your own ways, Psalm chapter 25 Verses 4 through 10 are instrumental here. Show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth and teach me. For you are the God who saves me. All day long I put my hope in you. Remember, O Lord, your compassion and unfailing love, which you have shown from long ages past. Do not remember the rebellious sins of my youth. Remember me in the light of your unfailing love. For you are merciful, O Lord. The Lord is good and does what is right. He shows the proper path to those who go astray. He leads the humble in doing right. Notice the word humble there again. Teaching them his way. That's exactly what he does in the wilderness. When you go into a wilderness, he leads the humble. He humbles you to do right and teaches you his way. Verse 10. The Lord leads with unfailing love and faithfulness all who keep his covenant and obey his demands. Wow, Psalm 25 is exactly what he teaches us in the wilderness. Yes, and that's what you want the Lord to do. And indeed, that is what he is teaching you to do in a wilderness, to humble yourself and learn his guiding principles, to show you how to rely on him, like you were saying earlier, to put your hope in him alone, to show you his unfailing love and mercies, to show you the right path, the narrow path, the only path, the path of righteousness. And that means there's a level of discipline involved. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 8. And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline, and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one as he accepts as his child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father, if God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means you are illegitimate and are not really his children at all. And so, you know, I read that recently in a refinement podcast I did, but again, the Lord is calling you to repentance first and foremost, and he's correcting or refining any impurities he finds there, but also teaching you that you do really belong to him and how to submit to him. Well said, very well said. A lot of the wilderness, I think, is about learning obedience. You know, something funny happened to me back in, I think it was about 2002. I was telling a coworker who I knew was a believer about the wilderness stuff one day, and he looked at me completely sincerely, and he said, well, I just don't think that's scriptural. So if anybody ever says that to you, you can answer them with Matthew 4.1. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Realize when you are in a wilderness, most people, even Christians, are not going to understand anything about what you're going through. 
the exception to that is going to be somebody who has been through one. When the Lord made me to Princeton in 2008, when the Great Recession was going on, some people even said they did not think I had heard from him to move there. But he had definite purposes in me being there and even kept me there twice as long as I usually stay in any place that he moves me. And a lot of times your purpose geographically has nothing to do with you and everything to do with somebody else. It's not always about us. One of the main purposes of a wilderness season is to teach us obedience, to obey what the word instructs us to do, to not give in to the devil's temptations. One of the temptations, especially in your first wilderness season, which is really hard to pass, is the temptation to sin for comfort. And the reason is because as humans, we have learned certain coping mechanisms, you know, what gets us through stressful or painful times. And we instinctively reach for those when those times come. I struggled with that a lot. I, th- I think I think everybody does. Everybody struggles at first with the comforts because that's what's familiar to you when you don't know when you don't even know what's happening at first. Yeah, I think everybody does. Yeah, it's and and you're you're in a wilderness. You're terrified. Your life is falling apart, and you're just like just some little morsel of comfort somewhere, something to you know get me through the next hour, you know, kind of thing, or something to get through the next day. And it's what we do as humans to get through hard times. So it's very normal. And until, you know, if you keep going, repeat trips to the wilderness, if you're a slow learner, like I apparently was, and uh, then you learn not to do that because it makes it worse. But if you remember sinning in your first wilderness season, especially realize you are human and the Lord will give you another chance to take that test. He's merciful like that. Okay, so let's talk about some signs you might be entering a wilderness season. It's very important if you recognize a wilderness season especially as you're going into it, because if you can recognize it, you can work with God instead of against God. Y'all, I fought like a wildcat when I was in that wilderness. I'm telling you the truth. The Lord gives you a dream or a promise. Remember the story of Joseph and how Joseph had a prophetic dream, you know, of his brothers and his mom and his dad bowing down to him. And what's the next thing that happened? His brothers tried to kill him, sold him as into slavery in Egypt, and he was carried off away from his homeland. That was a wilderness season. So you might get a dream or, or some kind of prophecy or God might just speak to you, a promise like of a ministry you're going to have or something like that. He had called me to preach and let me know about it when I was in Morgan City, Louisiana, back in 1997 when I was on an oil and gas job. That was the year before he led me into the first wilderness. Yeah, and you were speaking that he will tell you, and that's what I was saying earlier, he had told me that I would be leading people and things would be this way, but I heard it and I accepted it, but then months and months and weeks passed. And that's when I fell off the turnip truck and had my little pouting fest. And uh, when things started breaking, because sometimes you wait a long time to get that answer. I just want to tell everybody, anybody waiting, just be aware of that. Don't think that I want them to be aware because we think it's going to show right up. Right. It's very easy to come to expect it. And then you get you you can disappoint yourself because you're leaning into your own understanding. And that's another thing he'll teach you not to lean into your own understanding. Just want to make sure I mention that. Lean not into your own understanding. Proverbs 3, 5 through 7, I think. Is that set of verses? I think it's always a long time before he fulfills those promises. He refines us while we're waiting for it. I did not actually start. That was in 1997. When I got the calling, 
I did not actually start any kind of real ministry until 2009. So it was 12 years. I want to say for Joseph, it was 13. He gives us, I think, the promise of promotion first to help uh, help us understand uh, and to help sustain us while we're going through the wilderness because we kind of cling to that. Okay, well, he told me this is going to happen or he showed me this is going to happen. So this must be going to turn out okay too, meaning the wilderness. Was that your experience, Ray, with the promise of promotion? Yes, he revealed it to me. One, I was in prayer. I want to say it was in July or August, sometime September, maybe October, somewhere in 2020. It was a few months before my computer broke. And I remember him saying one night, you're going to do a podcast. I'm like, how? I don't even have the equipment. I don't have a microphone. I don't have. And I and it sounded like, and I think I told you about this. <laughs> and and I'm like, and I certainly don't have any money. How am I going to buy anything? <laughs> you know? And um, and I remember he had, it sound, he sounded humorous the way he told me. He said, we'll get it for you, son. And I'm like, okay, that doesn't really tell me anything, but all right, I'll believe you. But then again, like I said earlier, I was waiting. I mean, I was waiting for like, I waited three more months. And that's when I was getting to the end of my rope. I'm like, okay, oh. it's getting to the point now. It's, it, I can't take it anymore. You know, I was like, literally just, I was breaking. You start to ask yourself, did I really, did I really hear? I was, did I, I was really starting hear to hear him. Do I just make that up in my head? You know? And I had met Tom before I got that revelation, and I, I mentioned that earlier. And I had been talking to him, and he says, "Oh, I, he's like, I think it's gonna, it's around the corner. I think it's very close." And I said, "Well," and I was getting to the point. I was like, "Well, I'll believe it." When I didn't say it to Tom, but I was like, "I'll believe it when I see it." And I was kind of like murmuring it under my breath, you know, because at that point I had been waiting for so I long. I've been thinking that too. And you know, then I waited and waited and waited, and yet despite I was waiting, I kept praying. I kept praying, and I had my moments I got tired, but I'd get my, I'd pick myself up brush off the dust and I'd keep praying and I waited and waited and when it didn't come and then things broke I was like you tell me I'm gonna have a podcast and then the PC break breaks okay and I didn't even, <laughs> yeah, like, how's this I think work? it was a bad power supply I don't know for sure it could have been the PC it's I don't know but it's like I didn't even have $25 to get a power supply all right so I mean I was like yeah I'm gonna have a podcast all right yeah with a broken yeah. computer but <laughs> 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 then two more three more weeks passed and then I was like and then there, it was just like, okay, I, I was, I was getting to that point. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of being a male Cinderella around this house cleaning up. You told me this. You told me that. This <laughs> is getting. The visual with that is just, is just too much for me. It's getting real old. In other words, you know, that's how it was feeling to me. But that, that was my experience. But you know, he showed me. He did come through yeah. for me. It just, it. This is what I'm saying. You cannot, you can't lean into your own understanding, yeah. because in the times coming. We're not going to be able to lean yeah, into our I, own understanding not, of that either. I know it's not funny when it was happening, but the way you describe it makes it humorous. Oh, that's what it felt like. I mean, just being honest, you know, I can laugh about it now, but, it, you know, just for anybody else who might be going through something like yeah. that, it's, you know, it's, it's not pleasant because, I mean, I had to earn my keep in some way if other people were paying the bills and feeding yeah. me. I had to, I had to yeah. at least do something. I couldn't just sit on my bum all day yeah. and do nothing. Yeah. And that was the right thing to do because there are people who would have sat on their bum and done nothing and said, well, I'll, you know, I'll pay my share when I get a job until then I don't have to do that. There are people who will do that. I can't stand it, but there are. But yeah, that was, ooh, that was a rough wilderness you went through. Wow. And yeah, when the computer broke, I have to say, I would have been real tempted to toss in the towel. Then I'd be like, okay, I'm, something's wrong, very wrong here. And if God could text at that point, he probably would have sent you a text that said SMH. 
shaking my head. He was saying you were so he close. He shakes his head a lot. At me. I was well. What it was embarrassing, and I and believe me, I I went before him after I had my little week of back spinning, and I um tucked my tail between my legs and said sorry, you know, because I had been because I had been doing I had been going so strong up until that point, and I even was disappointed in myself for that. When my rent didn't show up in March of 2010, at the end of that wilderness, I had in. A meltdown that I promise you could match yours. It was bad. I didn't fall into sin, but I just fell apart. I, that's the only time I can remember my entire life I ever got angry at God. And I think I wrote about this in the Wilderness Companion. I literally got angry at him. I said, are you kidding me? Come on, man. I just, you know, I gave up my whole life to move here because you told me to move here. I don't have work. And where's the rent? You're supposed to be taking care of me. You know And I mean? I just like went down. the. I didn't know what else to do. And I just wept. Because yep. I didn't know what else to do. I My had those times and I were too. sharing a house at that time. He uh-huh. had gotten laid yep. off. I had gotten laid off. Both of our unemployments ran out. We were fixing to be sleeping under a bridge somewhere, and we don't even know how to be homeless. I don't know what you do when that happens. We had no place to go. It was terrifying. I've never been so scared. I was less scared when a drunk man that I was married to at the time held a loaded shotgun to my head. I was less scared then than I am of being homeless. Now, that was not fun. I had situations like that, too, where I got upset and I would question and ask and pout and cry. I mean, I didn't revert to sin right away because I was trying to work. But like by the time I had gotten to that point, mm-hmm. I had been already going through it for like well over a year. I don't know how long you were in one. I don't know if uh, I ever asked you, but not that long. Yeah. If you try being in one for almost two years. Mine were. Yeah, mine was. I think every one of mine was a year or under a year. And even they were either a year or six months to a year. Yeah. And even a year or six months is still that it seems like it seems yeah. like it's a year, even if it's six um, months. That's long enough in our in our ter- it in, does. in our time. Even in our a, terms even of time. A month of, oh yeah. Even a month of that with that much pressure on you is miserable. I pray hard for people when I know they're in the wilderness because man, I feel for them. So Another sign that you're entering a wilderness is you lose a job or your job runs out and you cannot find another one. So that's what kept happening to me when I was in this. And that's what happened to you too, I think. You look and you look and you look and you still can't find one. And I could always find work. So you live off your savings and then your charge cards and you're still looking, but you can't find a job. And then one day the savings are gone and the charge cards are all maxed out. And not only that, you know, we should, you were talking about should, things that were scary. I, what I didn't mention with that is, you know, I it got to the point where I didn't have work for so long. They charged off, they charged off the debt, the debts I had. But then I had like somebody that represented like a legal firm coming after me, making threats that they were going to take me to court and yeah. put a lien on me and everything else and put judgment on me. And mm-hmm. I remember I hit my yeah. knees so bad crying. I told the Lord, I said, just, ta- just take me home. Just take me out of here. Why are you leaving me here like this? Why are yeah. you letting this happen yeah. to me? I'm like, because if it were in my control, I would have paid those debts off. I wouldn't have wanted that to happen to me. I had every intention. Oh, absolutely. But that yeah. was, it was, I was so a I was just. too, always that paid my bills too. But even through that, you know, I might have been crying up, but even through that, I did not slip up. That has, that, that was before I slipped up. But when it got to the point where something broke, the computer broke, that's when I lost oh. it. And and my last 
longtime friend had basically mm. dismissed me. I was like, okay, you know what? I'm just, I, I'm at my wit's end. That's, that's why. I, and I'm not proud that I did that. I just want to make that clear. I'm not saying that because you're suffering, no. it's, it's okay to sin. No, it's not. No, it's not. Because no, I actually felt it really. Was all your comfort was stripped away. I felt really yeah. bad because when the Lord came back and blessed me, it even showed me more how wrong I was. So I still, though, I'm thankful. And it shows that you he, more how good he is, too. It does. It shows his glory, and it shows you how merciful he really can be and how merciful he is. And this is why, again, this is why I mentioned the whole mercy thing. How, because how merciful you are to others is going to show how merciful he is on you. So though it was, it was a horrible time for me, he, I had just enough to get through all of it. Just enough. Wow. Yeah, that's... Man, I, I don't know how you got through one that went through over a year because I barely got through the ones that went through a year. That is hard. Well, you got to remember too that when it had when I found out, I didn't find out until the end of 2019. So I had already been in it for you know almost a year before I even knew that that's what was going on. Uh, wow. Um, whenever you are entering a wilderness or about to enter a wilderness, the Lord will set up circumstances where you have to use up every resource you have, savings charge cards, everything that you have that you might be able to save yourself with will be taken away or used up. And you know, it's interesting you mentioned that, Linda. I have a friend in Australia who is going through something similar right now. You know, I'm not going to go into too many details, but he's been without work since the fall of last year, maybe sooner than that. I'm actually trying to remember when it was. Um, And he can't find a job. You know, you were mentioning that earlier. You will try and look for jobs. You will not find one. And he's pretty much out of money. And he yeah. said to me, you know, it's a good thing I have an investment I made a while ago. And I told him that that may also be depleted. Because a wilderness is to show you how to completely put trust in the Lord alone. And not your own doings, not your own ways of doing things. And, if, you know, if you stop and think about it, when the banks turn currency digital, what good will it do anyway if you can't access it? Amen. That's good advice. You know, if the Lord doesn't want you to work, it could likely mean he's calling you to do something else, or he may be putting you where you need to be at a certain time for your own good. And, you know, just on a side point, my friend gets dreams, and that's how it started with me. You know, he may be being called to prophesy and reach people that way, and, and, you know, what is coming. I can't say for sure. But that's what I meant by being consistent and seeking the Lord for the answer of what your calling is. And that's what I had to do. When I couldn't get a job, I kept saying, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? You know, I, I, I'm applying and applying and applying, and I'm in lack. I don't know what you want me to do. And I just, you know, I kept praying and studying, kept praying and studying, because I'd hoped that maybe if I studied the word, I would somehow find it. But he didn't reveal it to me until even months after I started praying about it. You know, it took a while. So I just had to be patient waiting on it. And that's another thing he'll refine you yeah. in, by the way, in a wilderness is your patience. Oh, yeah. Let's don't even talk about the patience test. That's too horrible to talk about. Another thing is being pulled out of work keeps you from buying things or more things on credit and then thinking that you have to take the mandates, whatever those may be. So it could be God protecting somebody from that, too. And, you know, that's another thing. I'm glad you actually mentioned that, Glenda, the mandates, because a lot of people are being pulled or were being pulled out of the workforce. I know I did. I know Brother Tom was, you know, 
he was called to retire. I was put in the wilderness. Yeah. You know, it was a form of protection. So though it may not make sense to us when it happens, we need to remember his thoughts are higher than our own ways. You know, and this is why earlier I said you can't lean into your own understanding. You know, it's a time to recognize and seek what the Lord may be trying to show you. You know, purpose and open doors are one aspect, but you know, other aspects, he can show you many things you previously didn't see. You know, in my experience, not only did I find by seeking the Lord what he was calling me to do, but when that pandemic started, what it revealed was, had I stayed in that job, I would have needed to take a mandatory vaccination to keep my job. And so I would have eventually had a harder choice to make in the long run, had I refused the Lord's calling in the wilderness. You know, I may have found another job, sure, Hmm. but that would not have saved me from being laid off or making a hard choice you know, in between my life and having work and then being even worse off in the long run. Not to mention that, you know, like the temp job I had in 2019, I probably would have been miserable and hated the job. And I remember you talking about that in your book that you went through that too. I mean, like I explained earlier, you may have the income and be very unhappy. And the Lord desires to take care of both of those concerns. He doesn't want his children to be unhappy. But oftentimes we bring it on ourselves because we're stubborn. He'll try to show us something early, but we don't see it. So he's like, all right, well, uh, you know, have it your way. I'm going to put you in the wilderness then because you're stubborn and you don't listen. That's exactly right. (laughs) So I say, if you're in a similar situation, you know, give it to him. Fully submit to him until he reveals it to you like to do. And not just while he's revealing it, but afterwards too. Keep consistent. You know, like I said before on previous podcasts, I prayed for months for answers before he spoke to me what I would be doing. And I cannot even explain the relief it brought when he did. So, you know, going to my friend down under, when he took leave due to those mandates, I told him right then and there that I believe the Lord was pulling him out for his own protection and will show him what to do. And that's where he is now. And I made it a strong point to submit and continue to seek the Lord regardless of the situation, even as others criticize you. Because another thing you will be shown, once again is who will truly help you and be there for you in rough times and who isn't. I've talked many times now, whenever I have brought up my wilderness experience, that the Lord revealed to me that very thing, who was for me and who wasn't. And he also revealed to me when I was in the wilderness, who said that the test is always about you. So what he was telling me was, sometimes the test is also about those people, especially if they're Christians. That is good. Yeah. But for us, it's all part of building endurance, especially for the season. Amen. One thing out of that the Lord will also show you is he can and will bring people into your life to help support you. So you can't lose hope. You know, keep going. And, you know, you mentioned Proverbs uh, chapter three, verses five through six earlier. But, you know, as it goes to this point that I was just speaking, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding in all your ways. Submit to him. Got that? Verse six, in all your ways, submit to him. And he will make your path straight. And then we have 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 through 10. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Not in your time, in his time. Going on in verse 7, casting all your care upon him. That's everything going on, good or bad. You should praise and thank him, but you also need to let him know what your concerns are. Tell him what you need. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, 
as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And that's the point of what I was saying earlier. That was the first thing the Lord wanted me to put to death in the sin was drinking. Because he could not do the other works within me if I was not going to be sober. Because the devil would keep coming in and undoing anything the Lord would try to do. Well said. That's why I felt so bad when I fell off the turnip wagon and and drank toward the end of my wilderness experience because I was to that point. I know. I used to ride that turnip wagon before I was saved. I used to ride that turnip wagon, so I know all about that. But going on in verse 9, though, whom resist steadfast in the faith, resist, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. They are going through the same thing you are. You're going through it, and there's somebody else going through it the same way you are. It's why it's a shame that more people can't be, you know, more open and in agreement with one another, you know, or share their experiences as much because a lot of people withhold. And for, you know, and I, the I realize they don't. Yeah. They don't because people criticize you and hate on you so bad when you tell them anything that you have done. That they need to stop doing that. We've if, all. If you judge someone else, God will put you in their situation and it's not fun. Right. And we have all sinned. We have all fell short of God's glory. The word states so. So we have no business. Yes. Yes. And one sin like that is not different necessarily than another. There's a few sins that God names in the Bible, but sin is sin. And here's the key. You know, still going on in 1 Peter 5, verse 10. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, that after ye have suffered a while, make you perfect establish, strengthen, and settle you. That goes in line with everything I've said today. He will establish you, he'll strengthen you, that's the endurance, and settle you. He'll put you on a firm foundation. That is the submission to him. Yeah, he will. I love those verses too, but I love what you said about that he may exalt you in due time because I never looked at that the way you said it. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Remember, that because it will help you. And if we will just be calm and submit to God's plan and his wisdom, we will be taken care of whatever is happening. When I was in the wilderness, the Lord had me continuously focus, not just on the testimonies of Jesus, but many of the writings of the Apostle Paul as to proper living. And there are many in there. Lots of wisdom to be had there. And speaking of asking God for wisdom, there's a lot of wisdom in James, the book of James as well. So my best recommendation is to submit. And one of the ways to do that is not only in prayer or repentance, but learning to be more like him. And you can't learn of how to be if you don't consume your daily bread and learn from your errors. And that's why I say not just focus on the gospel of Jesus, but look at the verses of Paul. Look at the book of James. You know, on that point alone, I quote, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. So, part of a wilderness is though you may think you're doing everything right, the Lord is showing you otherwise, and you can't learn what is wrong if you won't take time in the word. And if he's to use you for a greater purpose, he has to refine those impurities first. You know, use it as an opportunity to lean into his will for your life. It's not the worst thing that could happen, and you're going to be better off for it anyway. 
That is so true. You are not led into a wilderness for doing what's right, but so he can correct you from doing what is wrong. And only pride could make us think that we have everything right. Also, if you find you are in a wilderness or you suddenly find yourself in one, recognize there are opportunities in a wilderness season that you might not be looking for. Because this is something I only learned the last few years. And um, I never even thought about looking for opportunity. I just wanted out, right? But I've noticed over the years that the people I knew, including myself, often had to stay with other people temporarily when the Lord led them into the wilderness. I had to go and stay with my dad, who lived north of Dallas at the time. Now, that was a lovely opportunity for me to just quietly serve my father, who had cancer, and improve our relationship. And I would have effectively been serving my heavenly father in doing that, because as we have done to the least of these, we've done it to Jesus. That's what the scripture says. Any of you with elderly parents, remember that. It will help you. In every case I have observed, the people we had to stay with in a wilderness were people we had unresolved issues with. God's not doing that by accident, I'm telling you. And I think like in my case, if I had recognized this and if I had humbled myself more and tried to work on those, that wilderness would have been easier. You know, hey, Glenda, speaking of which, I had a quick question here because I know the Lord can and often does humble some of us under some we may not be able to stand at all sometimes. But what do you advise for someone who may be trying to resolve issues and the other person doesn't take it? They don't, you know, they don't take to it or they continue to treat you like a welcome mat for abuse. You know, I ask that um, because many might be in a situation like that right now. And I know it's not always easy, especially when there seems to be no compromise and it's not going anywhere. I just wanted your thoughts on that. In answer to that, and I've been there, uh, when you try to work things out with people and they just won't, what I do is I pray for them and I pray hard. I find scriptural promises to confess over them and over the relationship. If they will not allow you to make peace with them or if they will not let forgiveness come, like if they think you've done something to them and whether you have or not and you ask for forgiveness, then only the Lord can actually change their heart at that point. And it's for them, you know, more than anybody, but because they have unforgiveness. So you want to pray, pray, pray. So they'll come out of that unforgiveness because that will send them to hell, even if they're a Christian. And also, while you're praying for them, God changes your heart. When my daughter seemed to be entering a wilderness in 2016, she had to come and stay with me at the townhouse. And we had already been estranged for years, for most of the 10 or 12 years before that, and for all the years since. I'm sure that she literally would have rather stayed with anybody than me. I love her so much. And I pray for her every single day. But we are very different people. She has a master's degree and she's climbing the corporate ladder. I am 100% focused on reaching as many souls as I can for Jesus. So we're polar opposites pretty much. Consequently, our priorities and the things we care about are completely opposite as well. I think that the Lord may have had her in a wilderness season then, but I don't know if she still even believes in God. Um, she seemed to be different after she got a degree. So I don't know. But, you know, our children are different people than we are, and all we can do is pray every single day for them and leave them in the hands of God. And I am probably going to do a podcast soon on how you can war and pray for the salvation of your children, by the way. The consequence of not submitting in the wilderness now is to go into one once the judgments begin to fall. And that is where we are going to leave it today. 
In the next episode, Ray and I will cover what scripture says more in depth about things that have happened before and what is happening now as the season has begun. The similarities will shock you if you are not already aware. Ray, thank you so much for being on the show today. Do you want to give the contact information, uh, your contact information and uh, information about where your uh, Innocence Redeemed site is? Sure. Well, listeners may find my blog at Innocence Redeemed, all one word, dot blog, innocenceredeemed.blog. And there is a contact form there for reaching out on the About page. And to find my podcast, um, all you have to do is go to your favorite platform and then just simply search Innocence Redeemed and you'll find me. I'm on Apple. I'm on Google. I'm on Spotify. I'm on Podbean. I'm on all those. And then it's up on the blog, too, if you don't want to install an app on your phone. I hope y'all will tune in next week for part two of our Wilderness series. Thanks for listening. Jesus bless you. Y'all have a great weekend. Thank you so much for tuning in today to Just Praise Him Radio. You can contact me by mail at my new address, JPH Inc., Glenda Lomax, P.O. Box 60, Glencoe, Arkansas 72539, or by email at jphtoday at gmail.com. JPH is not affiliated with any nonprofit organization, church, or denomination. Have you ever gone through a time in your life where suddenly it just felt like your whole life was falling apart? I call these experiences the wilderness experiences. Wilderness experiences are a time of great uncertainty and change. Uh, there are times when our faith is tried and refined. After many experiences, the Lord spoke to me to write The Wilderness Companion, which is a virtual roadmap through the desert times of your life. Find out why you've been led to the wilderness. Find out what the biggest hindrance is to receiving provision in the wilderness. Find out what the seven temptations of the wilderness are. Drastically cut the time you spend in the wilderness by learning how to partner with the Lord instead of working against Him. Every Christian needs to read The Wilderness Companion. It's by Glenda Lomax, and it's available on Amazon.com or WingsOfProphecy.com. Amazon.com, The Wilderness Companion by Glenda Lomax. What is in store for the once great and mighty nation of America in these end times? What is the living God saying to the people of America now? What could possibly be in store for a nation that once trusted in God? but has changed its path from following in the living God's ways to now removing Him from everything and walking the other way. In the book, No Longer Mind, you will find all the messages to America collected in one place in chronological order. No Longer Mind, Messages to an Unrepentant Nation is now available in print at wingsofprophecy.com in the bookstore tab. Get your copy of No Longer Mine today. If you ask anyone you know what the most difficult experience of their life has been, many will answer about a time of betrayal. All those called to walk the narrow path will at some point encounter Judas. How will you respond? Do you know how to recognize Judas when he shows up in your life? 
Can you keep Judas from bringing destruction to your life and ministry? How can you minimize what Judas cost you? Can you pass the test of absolute betrayal? Get your copy of The Judas Test, available in print and new audiobook, The Judas Test by Glenda Lomax, available now on Amazon.com. Sold out for 30 pieces of silver? In Exodus 21:32, it is the price of a dead slave. In Leviticus 27, 2-7, it is the price of a live one. Jesus was sold for the price of bondservant, precious Jesus, the Son of God, the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings. Why did Judas sell his friend out so cheap?